Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, listeners who downloaded earlier versions of this podcast will not be automatically upgraded to the newer, longer battery life version of this show. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined by Mark Mitchell, as I always am. Uh, we've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including uh, the upgrade for Switch that you're not actually going to be able to get unless maybe you're going to GameStop and spending $75. And then come back on Thursday because we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you? I'm doing great. I am sitting right in front of a fan. Yes. And when the fan, it's oscillating. Oh, yeah. I'm really painting a picture here. When the fan oscillates, you can hear a tiny bit of a squeak and i like it a lot oh because it sounds like the um sound effect used in roller coaster tycoon when a roller coaster is going down the hill oh that's and, great uh, the people are like screaming um wait so it sounds like a people scream to you <laughs> it sounds like a people scream and it comforts you in this way you know in like a fun like i'm at the fair mm. type way um, in other fan-related news, Sarah and I recently <laughs> discovered that we can put a box fan in the window in our bedroom. Our bedroom gets, uh, it's, it's sort of warm. There's only like a small uh, window in there. But if we put the box fan in the window and turn it on like an hour before bedtime, uh -huh. ooh, it cools everything right down. <laughs> you know, we're dangerously close. What do you mean? To getting to a air conditioner slash fan portion of this show, plus maybe throwing in weather this is a good point we're talking too much about temperatures what you're saying how's your you know, water good you know, you know what's something that's really hot what's that sonic forces is hot you can borrow my copy of it for the nintendo switch all you got to do is send us an email at nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com and uh, i send it to you and it stays with you for as long as you want it to then you send it back now while you're getting on that list yes you should also be sending us your Donkey Kong 3 high scores. That's right. Because look, here's the thing. Our contest ends on Friday. That's right. So we only have, after this, one more time. Yeah, to berate you about having not <laughs> sent in your scores yet. Um, I believe Lizzie is still in the lead with like 250,000 points. It feels unbeatable at this point, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. No, I want, I want to see some scores that make... I mean, honestly, Lizzie's score kind of made me go, wow. <laughs> but I want to see some scores that make me go, wow. And you'll, you want us to go wow because yeah. you could get a two pair of socks. Two pair of Donkey Kong socks go to the person with the highest score. It's probably going to be Lizzie, but it is open for anyone. Email us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com or tweet at us uh, at Nincart Society. And we just need a little photograph of the screen so that, uh, you know, we, so that we believe you. And also, Billy Mitchell? Not allowed. Not, no, can, do not apply. Um, and don't try to get your friends to do it either, Billy Mitchell. That's right. Everybody else, sure. Yeah, yeah. This is, look, this is open to listeners of the podcast, but also people who don't listen. I, I, anyone could uh, submit to this. Yeah, absolutely. So do tell your friends, unless you're Billy Mitchell, in which case, Billy, thanks for listening, but we don't want your cheating friends playing along here. Um, 
last thing, please send us your Super Mario Maker 2 levels. We love them. Uh, we want to talk about Wolfaroo's uh, level. He sent us a, a three boss fights. That's right. Uh, Two, three bosses stand before you. All right. <laughs> Isn't that two princes? <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, It could be, but okay, sure. as we've discussed previously, my favorite form of parody song is one where I just replace like one or one two words. One word, right. Um, so uh, we will have the uh, the level code in the description of this episode, uh, but it is a fairly straightforward affair. You fight three bosses, one at a time, uh, except you kind of fight the Bowser Jun- the, the giant Bowser Jr. well and off-screen giant bowser shoots fireballs yeah i i thought it was really cool that the way that the like the level is interlocked Mm -hmm. so you do kind of like get that extra bit of challenge from the stuff that's going on off screen so it it is straightforward but i kind of feel like it's the best sort of mario level where it's straightforward but there's so you know what you need to do but there's challenge in yes like executing it correctly yeah and i i i have played a lot of levels that you know put you up against either many bosses or like one boss and then like it just keeps like you know i I, there's there's some way that either it's too difficult or it's too easy either you know they just like give you stars and you just like run through it or um you know you've got to hold on to your uh, fire flower for dear life and i feel like this had a nice kind of balance of those things yeah i liked it a lot also, pro tip here, um, when you are fighting the first boss, don't freak out about the lava. It's okay. Worry about it in the second boss. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I uh, also wanted to bring attention to uh, my buddy Pete sent us a level. Um, it's uh, uh, called Free Solo. It is a vertical climb, and it's just uh, a lot of fun. One, two, free solo. All right. Less enthusiastic about that one? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it as much. Well, it shouldn't damper anyone's enthusiasm for this level. No. Uh, the descri- the code for which will also be in the description of this episode. Um, and yeah, it's just a, an auto-scrolling uh, vertical level that's got some like fun, tricky jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, there are a couple where you have to like... Uh, land on a platform and then like kind of like weave your way around some spikes, um, which does very much feel like. Did you see Free Solo? No, I haven't seen it yet. So Free Solo is this documentary about uh, a climber uh, who uh, seems to have a death wish um, and climbs El Capitan, this big cliffside, um, and eventually does it um, with no ropes and all by himself. Um, free Solo. Uh, and this, you know, it feels, there are moments in this where you're like, just like when you're watching that, except there's really no danger in Super Mario Maker of watching your friend fall to their death, like to their actual death. Mm-hmm. That's a real concern in the movie Free Solo. One thing that also separates Free Solo from Mario Maker is Free Solo doesn't have Gusty Gardens. That's from right. From Super Mario Galaxy. Um, which this uh, this level is scored with the music from uh, Mario Galaxy, which is maybe just the best music. Well, so that that's good music. I wanted to bring this up, uh, and you asked me uh, a question because we were playing some Mario Maker um, before we started recording. The snow music um, in Super Mario Maker 2 that is like was retroactively composed for the original uh, Super Mario Brothers is so good Um that I just wanted to play a little bit of it now and so we could talk about it. It's almost got like a DuckTales moon music quality to it. 
I just, it's, I think it's my favorite new track in the game. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm assuming it's written by Koji Kondo, because yeah. they've, like, mm-hmm. in the Mario Maker 2 Direct, they talked about how he had come back to write some new music for the game. Yeah, uh, and, you know, there there are a couple of other ones, like the, the Sky theme is also new for... Um, Super Mario Brothers, um, but that feels more like just a, a remix of the original um, like athletic theme, but this one feels genuinely new and very cool, and I like it a lot. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing. Fire Emblem Three Houses. I'm still playing it. I'm still loving it. Just got to the time jump. Mm-hmm. I won't explain the circumstances surrounding the time jump, but let me tell you, I uh, there's no part of Fire Emblem Three Houses that I don't enjoy. Um, I think all of the systems feed into each other in the most effective way to uh, like get me emotionally. Um, I teach the I teach my students at the school. They use those skills on the battlefield, and they form these relationships on the battlefield that then improve the how they learn in the school. And on and on and on. And I feel genuine pride for these characters. Um, I uh, I just I I just really love Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, at this point. tell me this without spoilers. Does yes. the time jump like remove any of that? Uh, no. No, in fact, if anything, the time jump um, introduces a new dynamic that uh, I found like genuinely upsetting. Um, like in a that that just revealed to me that I am attached mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. all, all these characters and their relationships, even uh, with my students and with other students. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's it's a five year jump after which, um, first of all. This is something that everyone needs to know because it's extra incentive to make it to this time jump. Everyone, all the students, age up by fi- five years. So everyone gets new faces <laughs> and new hair. So all you got to do is play this game for 35 hours, maybe. And then you can see Raphael's great new hair. And look, you might not be playing this game right now, and that doesn't sound like much of an incentive. <laughs> but Believe it me. So, it is so... I don't... I, I can't... Like, it will be important to your life. It will be so important. You will see all of their faces one by one and go, huh? What? Yes! And then like they, they will keep arriving, and you will be excited with the reveal of every new do and every glow up. Everyone looks great. Anyway, I'm still playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, so I've been playing a little bit of Hollow Knight. Very thanks good. Thanks to listener Martin, mm-hmm. who uh, got the game for us, which is really cool. Thank you, Martin. So this, what I, all, obviously Hollow Knight's been out for a while now. So everything I'm about to say is not an original observation. But this game reminds me so much of Dark Souls. Oh. Um, mechanically, even like aesthetically in the way that the story, t- story is told, as uh, so much as the story is is very similar to like Dark Souls. So basically basically it's like a Metroidvania where um as you are defeating enemies and things like that, you're getting this currency and when you die, you lose all of this currency, oh, but yeah. you can go back to where you died and p- retrieve it and you get all of it back and then you use the currency to like level up and yeah. to make uh it, you know, it's not exactly Dark Souls but because you know you can buy level sound... ups that like do things for your map and like sure. all that kind of stuff, 
but it is very reminiscent in a good way. Uh, that sounds very uh, Shovel Knight as well. Um, when you die in Shovel Knight, uh, you know, like bags of treasure just like leap out of your body and then kind of float there. And hopefully you can make it back. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you didn't die, you know, in some huge pit that like you'll never be able to get back to. <laughs> um, but cool. I'm, I'm glad that you are uh, enjoying it. Yeah. I also feel like there's something very, del- it's a very well-made game. Like there's something very deliberate in the way that enemies are introduced to you mm. because they're all very, I don't know, like uh, similar is not, not exactly correct, but they, it's like the further you go, you're introduced to, oh, this is very similar to the enemy I saw before, but now this one has long legs oh, and can jump. Cool. Or, oh, this is very similar to an enemy I saw before, but this one has like a shield or whatever. So my method of attack has to change a little bit. It also reminds me of Dark Souls in that you basically just have this huge open world at the beginning. And I was like running to one area and I ran into this huge boss that killed me, like, immediately. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, nope, can't. Nope, not be, ready for that shouldn't one. Shouldn't be going that way. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I am kind of finding a little frustrating about the game. He hates it. Is that I just don't know. I, I hate in games where I feel like I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. Yeah, sure. Or I hate the feeling. Like, it was one of the things that I really didn't like about Samus Returns. Um, the the uh, Return of Samus remake. Or 3DS that came out a couple of years ago, is it feels very overwhelming to me to have this huge open world and then to be going to places and being like, I should remember where this place is. Oh, right. But I have no method of marking it at this point. Yeah. And I hate that feeling. Yeah. Um, but what I've played of it so far overall, like super fun. I definitely want to keep digging into it. Uh, can I bore you for a second with a game that I've been playing that's like two years old? Please. Sarah and I uh, picked uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe back up um, because Mario Kart is just like a nice, uh, you know, it feels good to play, right? Um, And we noticed that we didn't have all three stars in some of the mirror uh, uh, circuits. And we're like, okay, let's do it. Uh, Let's like buckle down and like work on these things. It's something that we can play together um, and then sort of like game it out a little bit. So like, if I, whoever gets first place in the first race, like that's the that's the person that we're like pulling to get first in all of them, which means if you don't get first in the first race, then you are in this like awesome defensive position. Yeah, you become a spoiler. Yeah. So you're like, you're trying to like get behind uh, the, the first place player and like, uh, you know, grabbing useful items and then like dropping back occasionally to like take out someone who like slipped between you uh, or sometimes being like, here's a blue shell. I'm going to speed ahead of you and like take, take the hit for you. Um, it, it's just, it's a neat like it's it's just such a neat way to have to play that game to think of like oh how can i be an effective uh how can i play good defensive ball here you know that sounds really fun um it, it's it's been a super fun way to play it we got so we we ended up getting all three um stars in all the mirror courses uh, and now we have moved on to the 200 cc but the game is so different in 200 cc that it's i mean it it doesn't even feel like Mario Kart anymore. I find it unplayable. It's in like I'm not skilled enough to do it. It's borderline unplayable. You have to use the brake button. <laughs> the brake button, Mark! Wait, so mirror courses, are those at a set CC or... Yeah, so they're, they're at 150, but they feel 
the the CPU seems a little bit smarter, um, and I don't know if that's just my mind uh, like justifying why it took us so long to do it, or if it's real. Um, and the 200cc there, not only is it super fast, but like the computer knows how to do it, um, which makes it all uh, much much harder. But I don't think it's technically 150 and mirror. I don't think one is faster than the mm-hmm. other. I think they're basically the same. Um, all right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. All right, on today, August 20th, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution How many is released. times is the word duel in that? <laughs> uh, and also, Rad is released on the Switch eShop. Rad, which you'll remember as a game that we saw in the uh, Nindy Direct back in March, I believe, um, when Mark was out of town. That's uh, right. From that episode that we did with uh, Mike Delaney. And on August 22nd, Sega Ages has Space Harrier and Puyo Puyo. Now, I'm a little bit excited about this Puyo Puyo because I have uh, grown to like Puyo Puyo uh, as part of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, And I'm just curious to see what it was like before they ever even dreamed of slapping the Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine um, branding on it. So I think that'd be fun. Cool. Um, there's, al- there's also a game out on the 22nd uh, called Lines Infinite, which will launch at a buck fifty. Fifty cents cheaper than the two bucks it normally is. <laughs> so you're getting 25% off. Yeah, it looks like a mobile game. Don't buy it. Um, all right, Mark, let's uh, get out of the new releases. And now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, today, we're going to talk about who we would be in a heist movie. What right. are skills? What skills do we have that would make us good on a heist team? Because you know how in heist movies, you know, there's the uh, wet work person. Yes. There's the getaway person. Right. There's the tiny person who can fold themselves up into a box. Exactly. Uh, yeah. There, there's all. There's there are these uh, tropes. Um, wh- do do you have like uh, an easy one like? Do you have an answer for this? I guess is, is is my question. Oh yeah, of course. Obviously, I would be. Of course. Obviously, <laughs> I would be like the um, handsome person that goes up to the bank teller, <laughs> and you know, like sure, yeah, yeah, keep or like go at a bar or something and keeps them busy. Okay, you know, with so my charm, I'm sh- the charmer. So you you just, you're just, you're gonna like smoke screen. You're you're not like running a honeypot here. You're not gonna like seduce anyone. <laughs> I mean, I could if I had to. It depends all right, on the heist. All right, all right, I don't know. You know, look, look, look. I would clearly be multifaceted at this. I could honeypot someone if I needed to, or right. I could just smoke screen. It really just depends on, you know, what the rest of the crew, you know, how big of a heist we're doing. Right. Look, if we're talking like an Ocean's 13, yeah, big heist. You're going to need probably a couple honeypots in that one. If we're sticking to like a strict Ocean's 8, I don't know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm just there to be charming, drop something on the floor, mm-hmm. pretend I can't find it. Um, cause so th- there is always like a-, a role for like a smoke screen that isn't, uh, seducing someone, right? Like someone that is a little bit more of like the, what are you trying to say? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying for you. I'm, I'm, 
I don't have an answer to this. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I would like to think that I could be a getaway driver. Oh, uh-huh. Like, take me out of oceans, put me into the Italian job, baby. <laughs> I want to drive those little Mini Coopers all around and, like, up on the sides of things and, like, spin them around real fast. We, you know, which is, I feel like I'm learning something new about you because I think of you as a, like, cautious, tr- conscientious driver. Yeah, well, I... No. Or is that part of your like ruse? That's, that's that's part of the ruse. Yes, that I will I will make everyone believe like oh Patrick's a very uh, considerate, measured driver. Um, but hey, I mean if I gotta, first of all, if the cops are looking for you and you're driving safe, they're never even gonna know it was you. It's true. If you don't really have much of a criminal record, yeah, yeah, that's or right. like speeding tickets even. Right. I haven't gotten a speeding ticket since I moved out to California, and that was like eight years ago. You're basically a saint at that point. I used to get speeding tickets a lot in when I lived in Wisconsin. Um, I think it's just like open road everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the last time I saw an, <laughs> an open road. <laughs> yeah, the only time you can re I feel like the only time you could really get a speeding ticket in LA is, especially if you're on the freeway. Oh, yeah. Is that like four in the morning? Have you ever driven to LAX at four in the morning and like people are maniacs? Yeah. <laughs> um, I also uh, over here on Riverside Drive uh, near us, uh, Sarah and I always say that the speed limit is as fast as you can go, <laughs> which sometimes does mean it says thirty-five, but like you can go fifty if it's the middle of the night. N- nothing will ever happen to you. I think for me, the hardest part about being the handsome one of the group. Yes. Would please be- <laughs> tell us. <laughs> What's so hard about being the handsome one of the group? Well, look, you're at a bar. You're trying right. to smoke screen one person, and everybody else is, like, looking at you. It's like mm, the mm. hard part about being the handsome one is you have to be noticeable but not too noticeable. Sure. You want to draw attention but not stand out. Yes. Mm. Do you think uh, – so I couldn't here, – here are roles that we could not fulfill. Yeah. I couldn't be the tech guy. Uh, I mean, it depended, like, if I needed to restart a router, I could do that. Oh, okay. I mean, we could all do that. We could all pl- we could unplug not something all and plug it back do in. That. You and I could both do that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. We wouldn't be the tech people. Um, I wouldn't be... I don't want a gun. I'm not the strong man. Right. Um, how, how flexible are you? Okay. I think I am more flexible than most people my age, but not flexible enough to be useful in a high situation. Um, I could be the pretend mark. Right? Like the, the other person that like goes in. Not saying pretend you. <laughs> but that might come in handy as well, <laughs> that actually. That might. I could. Because we're about the same height. Right. Yeah. Similar builds. Similar builds. We got to pull off a heist, Mark. <laughs> I don't, you'd either be a heist or like a Sweet Valley High type thing. <laughs> well, I guess we'll uh, never know. Um, we were accompanied today by pianist Ann Beckenhorst. And this is the first time we've ever used this recording on this show. Which is a miracle. Yeah, because we've done this segment. I don't know how many times, like a hundred. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. All right. First things first, Mm -hmm. the Nintendo Indie World Showcase from yesterday morning revealed some new titles, which we're going to talk about on Thursday. Yep. That's all we're talking about on Thursday. Uh, In other news, Nintendo has filed a new patent for what appears to be a Wireless SNES controller. Oh my goodness. So this is very exciting. Tell me why. Because you might recall that there are NES controllers Mm -hmm. that are wireless that dock into your Switch. Yes. And can be charged that way. Then Nintendo released as... I I think they're still available as well. They weren't like limited edition. 
where if you sign up for a Nintendo Switch Online account, you can purchase them. Yeah, I was going to say, and spend $60. <laughs> right, yeah. Which we definitely did the oh, moment we could. Yeah. Mine are still in their boxes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've never taken it out. But again, like we talked about last week, I'm a uh, pro control. Or no. I'm no, a, not even pro. <laughs> I'm a Joy-Con grip. That's right. Man, through and through. So, does this mean we should expect Super Nintendo games on Switch in the future? Well, so, possibly. One of the things to note here is that uh, we get a look at the serial number uh, that would be associated with these Super Nintendo controllers, and it follows the same, like, numbering convention that the uh, NES controllers do. So, it is likely that what we're looking at here are Super Nintendo controllers that are intended for use with the Switch. I don't know why else those would be coming out other than to support a Super NES Nintendo Switch Online. Also, way back at the beginning of the year, probably like February or so, people started data mining evidence of Switch games being in updates of the uh, NES Nintendo Switch Online. Super Nintendo games. Super Nintendo games were mentioned in updates for the NES Nintendo Switch Online. That's correct. Yeah, and but and those like mentions of those were eventually removed, but I I mean yeah, it feels inevitable to me that this is happening. Maybe in September we'll get a reveal. Which crazy, yeah, that it's only been one year since Nintendo Switch Online yes. launched. Of and, uh, of note, September eighteenth, two thousand eighteen was when the NES Switch Online was uh, f- first launched, and almost immediately. We were all like, where are the SNES games? Yeah, yeah, yes. So it has been one, it has been only one year. And I know it does feel like we've been saying it forever. Where's the Super Nintendo games? Where's the Super Nintendo games? It's been a year. (laughs) A year is like no, it's, it's no time. Yeah. Um, so. Which is just really funny to me. Yeah, it's very funny to me as well. Because it feels like we've been waiting forever. Yeah, I mean, I think since the moment we knew there were going to be NES games on the Switch, we were like, okay, cool, when are the Super Nintendo games coming? Yeah. Just, it's just the way, uh, just the way video game fans uh, function, ourselves included. <laughs> um, so, okay, the NES uh, Switch Online launched with 20 games. How many Super Nintendo games? Well, let's just assume that we are going to get yeah uh, new Super Nintendo games, and that it'll come in like September or October. How many games do you think it'll launch with? I'm gonna say ten. Ten? You think they're gonna do half as much? So if we look at the uh, the NES Classic, that thing has thirty games on it, and the Super NES Classic has twenty one or twenty two. Um, I think it's isn't it twenty four? Well, yeah, it's something like that. It's I think it, like I think that. it's twenty one and Star Fox, two. two. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you you think maybe maybe half as many? Yeah, I I think so. I think you know just like we saw with the SNES Classic Edition, the games are so much more vast, yeah, so so much bigger. And as, I'm assuming that they're going to want to continue to do the like online portion of it where you can do like asynchronous co-op or yeah. pick up where your friend left off and stuff like that. So I think that also just makes it's uh the task of doing that is much bigger with like an SNES game than it would be for like Donkey Kong 3 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um do you think this means we will not see any more NES games? You think once they start putting uh Super NES games that then uh, just effectively cancels the NES version? 
Yeah, because I just don't think that they have the like capacity to yeah. to juggle both. And I don't really know that uh, for me personally that I would want them to continue to do NES games. Yeah, I, for the most part, I can't think of anything for me that's missing on the Star NES Tropics Two. That I really, yeah, that would actually be cool. Yeah, if, like they were just like, uh, here's Star Trek, Star Tropics Two, and we'll Castlevania do, Three. We'll, we'll do like Little Samson. Yeah, right. Some like rant, some difficult game that mm-hmm. or game that's difficult to get now. Yeah, that most people never played, but has a good reputation. I think that would be that specific example would be really hard to do because I'm sure the rights are very complicated at this point. Sure, but I mean that's that yeah, uh, and like Little Nemo would be super cool to see on there. Uh, some of the like Adventure Island games would be fun. Um, so like I, I think there are still games that they could release on the nes switch online um i don't i i'm i'm sort of of the thought that once you start doing super nintendo games that like yeah just focus on that like yeah what, whatever else you were going to bring over n- nobody cares get super metroid out on this thing and like let's call it a day <laughs> right totally <laughs> um the newer model of the nintendo switch has started to appear on store shelves uh should we talk a little bit about what is the difference there? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's it's not much, right? There's a new uh, chipset in there that increases uh, battery efficiency. Like the process, it's the same same battery. Um, it's just uh, will last like twice as long now um, as it was uh, before. But everything else is the same, right? And you know, some people have done comparison videos about like loadings times and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, and they found that you know maybe it improves performance in that way, but it. It's not like you're going to be running things at in 4K. This is not your yet. 8K HDR switch. That's right. not what it is. So uh, the new model has improved processing capabilities, like Patrick mentioned, and uh, with the it, that largely results in improved battery life. The packaging for the new version is a mostly red box. It looks different from the old packaging. Yes. Um, but nothing like is explicitly labeled as being new or anything like that. Right. Well, and it's important to remember that this is not like Switch 2.0 or new Switch or anything like that. This is just replacing Switch. The Switch is now this thing. Yeah. Um, so it's if you're like looking to buy one, you just have to like keep an eye out for um, a mostly red box. Um, and if you're going to someplace like GameStop or somewhere that knows games, like you know, they'll probably know what you're talking about. But like if you go to Walmart or something, it might be uh, a little bit dicier. You might be on your own. So if you do buy one, um, you can know for sure that you got the new model by checking the serial number. Yes. So the original run of switches, the serial numbers start with X A W. And new switches, they begin with XKW. Right. So it's the difference between the second the second letter um, in the old one is A for ancient, and the new one is K for, for new. Killer. Oh, oh for, yeah. for new. <laughs> K N U new. Umlauts over it. There was a rumor floating around the internet last week. Courtesy of Reddit. Thank you, Reddit. Um, although I did see it get picked up on the version stuff as well. Yeah, I saw, I saw it picked up a lot of places. That Nintendo itself was instituting a policy where anyone who purchased an old Switch after July 17th, if they wanted the new model, could like send it in to them. If they paid shipping, and Nintendo would ship them ship them back out a old a new model. Um, but apparently this is not true. False, some would say. So I don't, I, I don't know exactly what happened here because Polygon did a piece on it. Yeah. And they apparently just called the customer service and was asking yeah. like Nintendo support. And those people said yes. And then eventually Nintendo of America released a statement to The Verge that said, 
We do not have a switch exchange program, period. Makes, makes sense to me. Yeah. So, so maybe it was something that happened for, you know, like a couple of reps. Yeah. We're just like, sure, yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, You're may- within the return period. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. And, you know, uh, it, it is possible that, like, if you call Nintendo support and make enough of a stink about something that, like, they'll acquiesce. But, like, it is not... It is not stated policy. It is not publicized policy. Um, so we just don't count on it, I guess is my point. Uh, GameStop is running a trade-in deal where you can turn in your old Switch model for $225 credit towards a new Switch model. So that's you'd basically just be paying a $25 difference. Yeah. Or no, no, no. That's a $75 difference. It's a, a $25. Um, that's $25 more you get if you're trading in towards the new switch specifically oh i see yeah. so they are valuing your switch your old switch at 25 dollars more only if you are applying it to producing new the new switch I yeah see. otherwise it is worth 200 flat um i don't know if that news piece ended up being very helpful because it was so confused in the way that i presented it <laughs> here's the thing i think it's confusing and also if you're buying the new switch with your old switch don't you have a bunch of stuff on your old switch you want to transfer over to the new switch and how are you going to but that's all. That's always the that's always, difficulty, yeah. right? Like when you bought a new 3DS after having an old 3DS. See, that's much always easier. Like the question because you can put everything onto an SD card, mm-hmm. and you cannot put save data onto an SD card. That's right. Uh, on the Switch, you can upload most of it to the cloud with uh, Switch Online, but there are some games that you cannot, like Splatoon 2. And others that I cannot think of right now. Yeah, I don't know how Pokemon you were Let's supposed Go, to do for that. example. Um, yeah, I mean, you would, you would, you can do a system transfer, um, but you need to have both of them there. So I don't, I don't know what the solution is for that. Well, if you find a way to figure that out, you have until September fifteenth. That's right. Uh, hey, let's have some fun with July's NPD sales numbers. Hey, Mark, I love fun. All right, so NPD every month releases general sales information for video games in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what we know about July. Uh, top six of the top 10 games from July are Nintendo games. Crazy. Insanity. It's a lot of games on this list. So the top 10 were Madden NFL 2020, mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Coming in at number two. Super Mario Maker 2, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, a really good showing mm-hmm. for... Uh, a game that's exclusive to Switch and kind of like overshadowed by the other two releases, I'd say. Yeah, they're two, three, and four for the month, which is awesome. Minecraft, Grand Theft Auto V, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Mortal Kombat 11, which is the best-selling game of the year to date, and it has a Switch version, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wilds, uh, and that's the top ten. And that and that's the top ten. And again, I should uh, I should note that I am still playing Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess another thing to consider here is that um, since Nintendo does not report digital sales, this is all based on physical sales of these games, right? Of just the Nintendo games. Everyone else is counting uh, digital in their um, in their sales as well. Uh, and Nintendo still ranking uh, second, third, fourth, seventh, ninth, and tenth. Yeah, pretty crazy. Also, uh, we learned that Breath of the Wild is now the best-selling Zel- Zelda game of all time. In the U.S. In, in the U.S. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, it, it, the, the, the numbers go like this. Breath of the Wild is at number one. Number two is Twilight Princess. Number three is Ocarina of Time. Number four is Majora's Mask. And number five is Link's Crossbow Training. That we was a unit mover. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I mean, I think... I, I Do you think that this cross-generation thing... Because obviously Twilight Princess benefited from launching at the beginning of the Wii's life. Yeah. Right? on a, And the Wii sold so many copies or so many systems that, you know, Twilight Princess was able to benefit that from that over its entire lifespan. Yeah, totally. Breath of the Wild, kind of a really similar thing. Yes, because it, it's, it launched with the system um, that was popular. So a lot of people were buying the system and needed something to play on it. Um, but I, th- I feel like Breath of the Wild was also a system seller. Like, I think a lot of the reason that people picked up Switches was because of Zelda. And I don't think that was necessarily the case for the Wii. I think, I think that's true. Especially because, like, Breath of the Wild, all, so much of the discussion around it was how it was starting a new era for Zelda. Yeah. And how it was... It's also kind of, you know, it's an open world game yeah which um general audiences really are into nowadays um yeah i mean uh, it's worth noting that grand theft auto 5 is still on the list of top 10 selling games for july of this year um uh so it should be noted here here are some things to note um even if breath of the wild breath of the wild on wii u was taken out of the count it would still make it the the number one um uh, and then the other thing to note is that Ocarina of Time 3D and Majora's Mask 3D are technically counted as different games, so the sales of those 3DS remakes do not factor in to uh, the ranking here. It also makes me wonder, uh, Twilight Princess, I assume that uh, the HD remake is is not part of this tally, um, and ditto... Um, Wind Waker that uh, it doesn't appear on this list, but maybe that is partially because the HD remake is not part of this as well. It does make me wonder if we're counting both the Wii and GameCube uh, versions of Twilight Princess. I would assume so. I would assume so too. Since that's what they're doing for Breath of the Wild. But you could take the Wii U Breath of the Wild out and it would still be number one. Yeah. And we don't know if that's true for Twilight Princess necessarily. Just, again, to dwell on how crazy it is that Link's crossbow training is in the top five. Look, more people have played Link's crossbow training than have played A Link to the Past. That's just a truth you have to live with. I'm sorry. (laughs) Switch was also the best-selling hardware in July and remains the best-selling hardware of 2019 so far. Switch was actually the only major platform that saw gains over their sales from this point last year. So, good for Switch. Yeah, it also makes sense because both uh, PlayStation and Xbox are coming to the end of their life cycles. Right, and have announced, you know, up, upcoming uh, console. Like, we know that they're, that they're incoming. It's still probably like a year plus away. Um, but, you know, as, as, soon as, as soon as you know the next thing's out, it makes it a little less uh, exciting to buy the old thing. In an interview with The Guardian, Power Stone series producer Takashi Tezuka reminisced about the series. The interview ended with Tezuka mentioning that he thought Power Stone would be a great fit for Switch. Okay, so first of all, this is a really good interview um, about uh, Power Stone and just about uh, Capcom uh, developing in the early days of the uh, Dreamcast. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about what Power Stone is? Yes, um, so I'm a big Power Stone fan. It is a one-on-one fighting game uh, in sort of the tradition of Capcom fighting games, except that it... uh, 
does a lot to sort of simplify um, fighting. Like you have two attack buttons. There's a punch and a kick. Um, and then also like a, a pick up or like grab um, button and then a jump button. And then otherwise you are running around a sort of like 3D arena, small 3D arena and really interacting with the environment. So um, there, there, there will be like posts in some rooms um, and some characters can grab onto them and like climb up and down. The larger characters can like lift the posts out of the ground and swing them. Um, uh, weapons and items appear uh, throughout the stage and you can use them against each other um, and they can be very powerful but they get used up very quickly presumably there's there are power stones there are also power stones so that this is the way to um, like have a super move kind of um, so there are these three gems that appear sort of at random you start with one each player starts with one um, and then you can like knock them out of each other uh, kind of like the uh, the items that you can collect in smash like when you're oh, building sure, up like yeah. the, the gun or you know whatever um, and when you get all three then you transform into the uh, like a super like a super saiyan version of yourself um, and which at which point all of your moves have changed to uh, very powerful, um, like shooting, you know, blasts of energy or fireballs or whatever. Um, and the game is just super fun. It's got like a, 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 a tight cast of like maybe a dozen characters. Um, and they're all sort of like, um, like tw- 1920s, uh, like World War One-ish, um, like steampunk uh you know gentleman adventurer sort of stuff um like it's it's very cool it has such a specific like look and sound um and nothing really plays like it um they they made two of these games on uh dreamcast uh power stone and power stone 2 um and the first one is a stone cold classic and the second one's pretty good too um but they've only ever been re-released once um on vita uh and i would just i would love to see these games either a new one or even just the first one again on you could put power stone one on switch and charge me 40 bucks i would buy it um i i love i love the game to death um but if he if the uh if tezuka is saying that he wants to make a new one on switch my vote is gimme so i i've never played power stone before my only real the first time it came to my um like to my attention was do you remember Probably in maybe like around two ten years ago, like two thousand nine, two thousand ten ish. Okay, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles computer animated movie called TMNT. Yeah, and they released a licensed fighting game on Wii. Yeah, TMNT Smash Up. Right. Yeah, and uh, I just remember the discussion around that game in previews on sites like One Up and other sites like that. We're talking about how it's kind of Power Stone-esque. That's so weird because it is way, way, way more Smash Brothers-esque. Um, the, uh, the, the thing that, I, again, like Power Stone does have a little bit of like the DNA of Smash and that it's more chaotic and that like you're, kind of, you're going for like items and stuff in a fighting game. Um, but it really is its own beast. Like, the ability to run around in 3D space and you know, like picking up chairs and throwing them at each other, um, that there are like tables that some of your characters can dive under and the bigger characters just like pick them up and throw them. Um, the game's so good. It is one of the three Dreamcast games that I still own um, and will actually still still play. I love it. I love that game. Bubble Bobble Four Friends, a four-player simultaneous Bubble Bobble game, was announced for Switch. It's coming out in November in Europe and early 2020 for North America. Uh, so Bubble Bobble, 
I like Bubble Bobble. How do you feel about Bubble Bobble? I like Bubble Bobble. I like saying Bubble Bobble. It's fun to I say like Bubble Bobble. I like the music from Bubble Bobble. Oh my gosh, it just plays on repeat. <laughs> what it, what it, no, let's here. Let's yeah. let's not think of it <laughs> because if we think of it, we won't be able to exercise it from our brains. Mm-hmm. Um All right. <laughs> yeah, so uh this this is another one where I say give it to me. I want to play Bubble Bobble for friends. Does four people does four person bubble bobble exist right now i don't believe that it does um but it, you know it it could it's 2019 lots of things exist <laughs> i guess i should say that my only experience with bubble bobble is two person bubble bobble as is mine and and one person bubble bobble but that's a sad state of affairs and let's <laughs> dwell on it no further finally and definitely most importantly yes the next tetris maximus cup has been announced for this coming weekend, August 23rd through 25th. At the moment, start times have only been confirmed for Europe, but I'm guessing it's going to be pretty much the same as it always is. Yeah, and also, because these things have always been worldwide events, um, so, like, it seems like, yeah, they're throwing the party, and yeah, we're invited, but we haven't gotten an inv- invitation. You know what I mean? I'm, just, right. I'm hoping it got lost in the mail, is what I'm, that's my point. There are a few precious days left. We should all be banking on yes a Tetris Maximus Cup happening this weekend um, because if you play yes and you get a hundred points you win a special Fire Emblem three houses theme this is very important this to is me. very important and awesome it means that also while you are playing the in the Tetris Maximus Cup whether you have scored uh, a million points or zero points you will be using the Fire Emblem three houses theme. Um, Look, I like that Splatoon theme. I like that classic Game Boy theme. There, I just, I just want this one. I want this one. You know, the way they're doing it is so smart because first there was vanilla Tetris 99. Yeah. And we were it. like, this is great. Yeah. And then they released the Game Boy skin. Yes. Also great. I cried. And then they won up that with the Splatoon 2 skin and you're like how is it going to get any better than this and the splatoon 2 skin is great the, there's uh music in there there's sound effects that are hilarious uh it's it's wonderful i'll tell you how they want up it yeah fire emblem three houses what are they going to do to beat fire emblem three houses i uh, can't wait to find out luigi's mansion spooky oh <laughs> link's awakening love it uh oh that'd be so cute it would be so cute oh man i love you know tetris 99 just keeps on giving all right mark let's get out of the news Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. And again, we are going to talk about the uh, Indie World Showcase on Thursday. We know that that was another thing that happened this week. We're just going to talk about it on Thursday because there's a lot to talk about there. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can also share it on Facebook or Twitter. Um, uh, It doesn't... uh we cost like that. you anything? It doesn't cost. Look, <laughs> it doesn't cost you a thing. So just do it. I don't. I don't know why I started with it doesn't. It doesn't hurt the environment. No, I mean it might a little bit because you're using electricity and then you got to charge your phone sure. afterwards. But if you told somebody in person, tell pre- someone in presuming person, presuming you didn't meet up with them by texting them, right, or by driving anywhere. So you almost certainly did. And that you're not like doing it over a meal. Don't dwell on the environmental impact of recommending our show. (laughs) Please just recommend the show. You can follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. And you can go to our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. 
Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, uh, maybe recommend us and then plant a tree. And thanks for listening. podcast fans great news you got a new podcast to listen to every tuesday this is fantasy flicks league i'm ryan meharry i'm mike mcclendon i'm amy ruffle and we're the commissioners and hosts of the fantasy flicks league podcast a podcast all about the box office we got flops we got bombs we give unsolicited updates on the host's love lives a reoccurring character who loves deadpool no matter what his parents say i'm gonna see it mom screw you with an A-list guest lineup and the movie news you need to decide what to see and what to skip, the Fantasy Flicks League podcast drops every Tuesday morning. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.